Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I'm very excited for today's guest. We have IFBB Men's Physique Pro, Kirk Kirk Moore. Welcome. Thank you, Nicole. I really appreciate you for having me on today. I was uh, super excited when you reached out to me. And um, it was actually pretty cool because one of my friends from back home, when I reposted it, um, she was like, I've been following her podcast for like years now. That's so cool that you're going to be on there. So super excited for today. Yeah, thank you again. I remember scrolling on Instagram and watching nationals because I think anyone in the bodybuilding space, like we want to see who's getting their pro cards, right? And I saw you and I was like, wow, like that is one, inspirational, but number two, you had a killer physique, you had a killer presentation. And um, I just had to bring you on and hear a little bit more about your story and what got you into fitness in the first place. Awesome. Thank you so much again. So Kirk, tell us a little bit more about you, what got you into fitness and then pursuing bodybuilding. Yeah, so I grew up originally in West Virginia, in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. And um, I was really like, as a kid, well, I guess, do you want me to really start going back to like my condition, everything, like just starting from like childhood? Yeah, I mean, this podcast isn't visual, you know, so everyone, I would encourage you to go check out Kirk's Instagram, which I'm going to have that link below in the description. But yeah, talk about your condition, because I think it's definitely unique. I've also had um, a competitor on here, a bikini competitor, where she has a prosthetic arm. And she talks Mm -hmm. about some of the challenges that she faces. But I like bringing on men, like male competitors too, to talk about their stories. So yeah, go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess running back from the beginning, um, I was born with proximal femoral focal deficiency, which I know is a mouthful, but we say PFFD for short. And it's just a uh, birth defect that affects your length of your femur bone. And so my femur bone is shortened and my left leg is about eight inches shorter than my right. And so I've been that way since birth. So I haven't really known anything different. And even my parents... Because I guess back in, because I was born in 1997, so back then, I guess on the um, kind of scans they had, all that stuff like that. I can't remember sonography, but I think that's the name of it. But uh, I don't know. All, <laughs> yeah, when they do all that stuff to check out the uh, baby and everything, they didn't know, and so it's a total surprise for my parents um, as well. And so, being born with this disability, um, my parents always really believed in me, and they really instilled in me from the time I was a child they always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do in life and be able to accomplish everything I wanted in life and they never treated me differently because of that and so I grew up playing football I did basketball track and track I did high jump and um, did uh, shot put and discus I actually won the county when I was in middle school for high jump and then um, wrestling I was an all academic state wrestler back in high school and then um, college I kind of didn't know what to do with that kind of physical aspect because I had like small like D3 offers to wrestle but I didn't really want to do that anymore at that time and so my senior year of high school um, one of my best friends told me about bodybuilding he was competing in bodybuilding and he was like hey like I see you train um, like I, was, I started weightlifting at a young age and I mean even in eighth grade I was benching 200 pounds and so when I was in high school, my nickname, because my name's Kirk, my nickname was Hercules, like Hercules. So just because I was just That's always funny. strong, you know, I was, yeah. <laughs> so I was always kind of strong and just had a muscular, muscular build. And he was like, hey, like, you like to train, like, you should do a bodybuilding show. So the summer after I graduated high school, there was a show up in Pittsburgh, which is only about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And um, it was the Elite Physique show. And I prepped for five weeks just because like, I was just like, hey, whatever, we'll just do it. Dieted for five weeks, ended up getting like fourth place in men's open, and I got second place in teen. So I was 18 at the time. Um, so I really owe it just my buddy Ben. He actually lives in Tampa and trains at MI42 because I know we were talking about that before. But he's the one that got me into 
capacity building um, overall. What year was that competition, like your first one? That had to be 2016, because following that year, 2017, I did team nationals up in Pittsburgh as well. And then I won the overall at team nationals um, when I okay. was 19. Yep. I mean, for team nationals, do they give away pro cards? I'm actually like totally unaware. No, no, they don't at team nationals. No, but you're qualified for nationals. Uh, it qualifies you for like an open nationals. Um, so six weeks after that, I did uh, North Americans and just got totally destroyed. I got third, third mm -hmm. call outs. But I was 19 years old and like I've only been training for bodybuilding specifically for a year at the time. And so the judges were like, you're just way too small. You know, um, yeah. I was only 100 and maybe 140 pounds on stage. And so I was just way too tiny. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have like that athletic base, too, which helped you out a lot with bodybuilding. I always get so jealous of people who got exposed to the weight room early, which for men, it's definitely a lot more common. But for women, mm -hmm it's kind of like a big no-no, at least for gymnasts. Like we were told, you're not allowed to lift weights. It's going to make you mm -hmm. bulky or whatever. So it's kind of a mind death because it would have made me a way better athlete. Um, but that gave you that base to be able to probably do that like five-week prep and show up with a really good physique. 100%. Yeah, definitely was just this undersized, but still had a pretty good physique for my first show ever, especially only dieting for five weeks. I mean, going back, I would have dieted for longer but it was I have no idea really what bodybuilding was until literally about a few months before that so when you were prepping for that show was it by yourself or was it with a coach I had a coach it was actually Juan Morel so he's like an IPB pro he's one of the New York New York pro and like been to the Olympia quite a few times but it's still like at that point it, I didn't think it really would matter who was my who my coach was because I only had five weeks mm -hmm. um and it was my first show ever I didn't know anything about it really so it was a really extremely like tough five weeks going from just being a normal person and then hopping into a bodybuilding show out of nowhere like yeah. that um just not understanding everything but it was still fun and that it just made me fall in love with it yeah I think bodybuilding too it's one of those things where like you try it and you love it or you try it and you're like I hate this and I never want to do it again and a lot of people don't recognize like in bodybuilding you have to have a tough skin because you're literally going to get your body judged like a judge is going to critique you even if you win and I think a lot of people can't handle like never feeling like they're good enough which I mean you could take that in a negative or positive but I look at it like you're building a masterpiece in a way and so sure you could have the best lines and like the best package but there's always going to be something that you can work on so that's personally why i love it i'm sure that's why you also love bodybuilding is there's always this opportunity to be better but i think a lot of people can be discouraged by that oh yeah 100 percent, i agree with that I and mean, even now just becoming a pro and the judges are like hey you need to improve this you know and so it's like I finally got to like that pinnacle of the amateur level, I guess, but there's still always more improvements to be made, I guess. I mean, I guess you can always improve unless you're the Mr. or Miss Olympia. Yeah. So why do you feel like you um, chose bodybuilding versus like pursuing athletics throughout college? Was it more so just wanting to give your body a break training for athletics? Because training for bodybuilding is still very, very tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just felt like I could be successful and then really, when I did my first show, there was another team, the team, the guy that I lost to, because I got second place in team, he told his coach, I mean, he told me after the show, he's like, yeah, my coach thinks I can win team nationals. And I, I kind of took that as like, oh, like challenge accepted, you know, like I'm going to do this mm -hmm. show. And then I ended up winning the overall, so I won. But like for me, bodybuilding is just that never ending kind of pursuit of just self-improvement and just the mentality of it all. Um, I feel like it's made me a more disciplined person all around it makes me plan out my schedule a whole lot more especially in prep I was on a time clock like I ate my first meal 6 30 a.m then 9 30 then 12 30 3 30 6 30 again you know um made me plan out my day when I did cardio or train and when I had time for work when I spend time with my wife you know when I do this that and so it makes me a more regimented person which I enjoy having a very regimented schedule I like to know what I'm doing even in like my, I've done a Gallup strength assessment and my number one trait is futuristic. Like I really like to have things planned out in my mm -hmm. life. And so bodybuilding, just the nature of it, I can plan out or have my phases of when, okay, this phase for the off season, then I'm going to go to this or this, like in this part of prep, I'm doing this. And so just the, 
kind of just regiment discipline of it all and just gives me something an outlet of physical activity and something that I can always improve on. Um, and I truly just being born with PFFD from my very first show, I mean, people told me how I inspired them. And so being able to inspire others is a big piece of it as well. Um, just because I know others can look and be like, hey, if he can do it, I can do it as well, you know, and I've had thousands of people reach out to me. I mean, after I competed most recently, um, like a lot of stuff, like a lot of posts went viral um, mm -hmm. of me. And I mean, like even like the Gilco had like 2 million views on it and like other accounts that we posted had like a million views on it. Um, and so being able to inspire others is a big part of this as well. Yeah, I think it's really cool to see the variety with the NPC and IFBB, you know, even when I saw like the wheelchair division, I was like, wow, that's really cool. But now I'm like thinking, can they do that for women too? You know, you never know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they, I think a lot of people can get their head and think like, well, I can't do that. Or um, I don't know if you've ever even experienced like someone telling you, well, it's bodybuilding, you know, they're going to be really harsh. Like, do you ever have moments of doubt? Like when it came to competing or were you like, screw it, I'm going to do it anyway? Yeah, I mean, some people, some people kind of discourage me somewhat because they're like, oh, there's symmetry and all that and whatnot. But I'm happy there's like men's physique division. Like you said, even like I feel like they should develop a wheelchair bikini for women as well. And so um, and I'm happy like even with women, they've expanded like and there's they've added more divisions. And even for men now that we have this division where they don't judge legs, because if they did, obviously, I wouldn't be in really a great position. I probably wouldn't compete in bodybuilding at all if it wasn't for men's physique, just because of my leg condition um so super happy they have that division i'm sorry what what again was the your entirety of your question just more so like if anyone kind of got into your headspace of like well maybe you should like think about it because i was going to bring up like the symmetry or just i mean even i would feel like posing would be challenging but um i'm assuming that you kind of took it into consideration but you figured out the division that worked for you and just kind of went for it right Exactly, 100%, yeah. And that's why I feel like men's physique is just where I fell into. Now, when it comes to posing, because I'm standing on one leg, you know, so it does make it a little bit more challenging to bounce and you're like blowing out your breath while you're flexing your abs. And then I'm like trying the way I pose in men's physique too. I'm like flexing my delts because I'm doing like both hands on my waist there. Um, and so trying to do all of that and balance, even my back pose, I had a lot of struggle with um, mm -hmm. trying to do that while bouncing on one leg. I, gotten pretty good at that though but it just takes practice you know and I guess the only thing symmetry wise too with um developing my back is my training you know I have to I have to modify as well because I have to be able to balance when I'm doing bent over rows um and so I'm like putting a dumbbell under my foot so I can balance um mm -hmm. and different things like that you know just to modify or even when I'm doing pull-ups I'm being cognizant because my right leg is heavier. And so I don't want to have really more stimulus being put on the right side of my body. So my right lat will be developing more potentially, you know, so I have to be yeah. cognizant of those things. So I don't get those imbalances in my physique. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously you're super balanced. You, you won your pro card, which what was it like winning your pro card, knowing that you had some challenges to face. And obviously I think a lot of competitors on the national stage, I mean, nobody shows up to lose. We all want to win. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a dream come true moment because I started bodybuilding when I was 18 years old and now I'm 25. I actually, I turned pro the day before my birthday. So I was 24 and the next day now I'm 25. But um, so it was like almost like a birthday gift, but it was really just like a dream come true because it's like everyone in bodybuilding, you work hard for years, you know, like no one, it doesn't typically happen where people start and turn pro that same year. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was really five years in the making and then even like the years that I was training and didn't really know what bodybuilding was I'm sure all of that you know kind of went into that as well but um it was a really just dream come true moment but also it was a great moment because I know I inspired so many people and then just the people the it was really off stage that when it where it really hit me is when I got off the stage and like the people coming up to me like high-fiving me or giving me a hug and they're like wow we were cheering for you like we can't believe that just happened and like we just witnessed that because I believe I'm the first person that uh turned pro that was like born with a disability like this um yeah and so it's kind of like I don't want to say like I guess it's like kind of like making history with that in a way you know but um so really off the stage the kind of 
not want to say like praise, but really just like the support I had afterwards was even like more meaningful to me because I love to be able to interact with people and talk to people about my experiences and especially the amount of people that reached out and said I was like an inspiration to them that like Mm -hmm. meant the world to me. Yeah. I mean, I think in the sport of bodybuilding too, I have heard a lot of people with this like victim mindset of blaming all these other reasons on why they're not being successful in the sport or why they can't do it. And like for girls, like I've heard stupid stuff like, oh, it's my hair color or it's because I don't have a boob job. Like that's why I'm not placing is like I'm too small up top. And I even see people who have tattoos and they're like, oh, it's my tattoos. That's the reason why I can't do well. And it's kind of crazy because then, you know, you being an example of like, you can be different and still do an like an awesome job on stage. And I think a lot of people just get in their head and think, well, I'm not good enough yet or playing this victim card when in reality it's thinking, okay, even if you did get your whole body tatted, you know, maybe when you're younger and you're like, I want to be a bodybuilder now, own it. You know, that can be a part of your presentation and who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't let that be a setback, especially for girls. Like don't dye your hair brown if you don't want your hair to be brown, like be a blonde and rock being a blonde on stage. Exactly. 100%. I mean, like bikini, um, like I feel like I forget how many, cause I saw another like judge post that's like something similar to what you were just talking about. It was like with, um, women thinking they need to get like a boob job, whatever it may be, but there was like three or four girls that were in the top 10 in bikini, you know, that didn't have that done, you know? So yeah, exactly. So like, definitely like, I don't, I, I don't like when people, I guess, make excuses for different things, you know, um, but it's just, and I never try to make excuses for myself. Um, and obviously everyone faces different challenges and we have to overcome those, but especially in a sport like bodybuilding, it is subjective, right? And genetics do play a role, but the, I feel like the judges do their best job to provide that feedback. So when I got third call out at North Americans, I was like, one, you're undersized, two, you're needed more of an upper chest. And they said, you need more back thickness overall. And so the past five years where I wasn't, um, I took time off of competing, um, which is another whole rant. I feel like people try to come back way too soon and just do show up. Yeah, let's let's definitely talk about that. Yeah, I I mean, that's just one thing I feel like I took five years off and people like, oh, I I love the sport. I don't want to take time off. But I feel like so many times people set themselves back and they don't give their body that necessary time to put on that tissue. Cause I mean, it takes a long time to put on significant amounts of muscle tissue, unless you're just extremely just genetically blessed, you know, and can just mm-hmm. throw on tissue really fast, but that's not the majority of people. So um, yeah. I took five years off and like part of it was because I was in school and getting my master's degree. But the other part was that I knew I didn't want to come back until I felt like I had enough muscle to be competitive. And I feel like a lot of times that people get caught up in just wanting to compete and they get that high from being on stage and having people tell them all oh, you look great and blah 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 whatever it may be but sometimes you really just need to sit back and have a longer off season to really make those improvements and then come back when you're really ready yeah i think a lot of people try to fast track to the stage or fast track to getting that pro card and mm-hmm. a story I've, I've told my audience before is i'm currently 27 i'll be 28 this year but I used to tell myself, I want to be pro before I'm 25, which props to you for literally doing that. But like, that was one of my goals, but I I didn't achieve my goal. But the reason why I didn't achieve my goal is because bikini was evolving and I wasn't, I kept Mm. prepping year after year after year. And I kept not being able to make those improvements. And so now I'm at a place where I'm taking, I'm on a year and a half right now, but I'm probably going to take another year, maybe another year and a half. And people are like, oh, are you done bodybuilding now? And I'm like, well, no, it's bodybuilding. <laughs> like that's the whole point of the sport is to build muscle. And I think people only focus on the prep. Um, I see it more with like that bikini division, but people mm-hmm. forget that you need to build. And if your like your um, feedback was to build more, you weren't like, okay, cool. I'm going to do another show. Right. It was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to sit down and build muscle. Exactly. And that's my same feedback. Even after turning pro, um, at Attila, I, I hate if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, but she's one of the judges. Um, and she came up to me after the show and was like, Hey, like you brought a great physique. You're like, you're rounded overall. Like you just need to bring up everything, you know, you just need more size to be competitive at this pro level. And so, um, 
I just sat down and told my coach David that, and he was like, yeah, we're just going to sit back a year and a half maybe and just like grow. And if we're not ready at that time, then there's no point in competing because I don't want to get on a pro stage and just get destroyed, you know? Like I want to be bring a competitive physique the first time I compete, you know? And so I feel like a lot of people could really just learn and just learn to just sit back, you know? And people chase a pro card without having a pro level physique, you know? Yeah. It's like, if you're not... That's why I took all that time because I was like, I didn't want to come back without knowing I was going to be competitive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even for myself, like I still second guess, like, where's my size at? And I'm like, you know, I'm going to not set a date on your next show. And I think yeah. a lot of competitors need to do that. Don't set a date just because nationals is happening is going to happen every single year. So you're going to have FOMO. That's okay to acknowledge mm -hmm. that, but you can still go. You can still be involved in the sport. You just don't have to be the person on stage. Exactly. And then just obviously just being transparent, the sport is not entirely healthy at all times, especially in that competition prep, you know, mm -hmm. with different hormones, um, especially with women, I feel like potentially even more so than men with all the different effects that you can experience um, with different hormones going all types of places, you know, and that's why I'm a big advocate yeah. for people getting blood work done um, mm -hmm. before like mid prep and after their shows as well. Um, and then just even the mental aspect of it like you're missing time with your family during those times and you're putting stress on maybe a significant other whatever it may be and so if you're not completely ready like don't do that to yourself or the people around you you know until you can really feel like you can bring something competitive yeah as a competitor because you mentioned you're married as well do you feel like you do a good job at balancing being an athlete and also just balancing everything else because i i find for myself like my improvement season is like the perfect time to focus on other aspects of my life oh 100 yeah I feel like that balance because um this is my first time actually competing since I've been married because I've been married for three and a half years and I took those five years off so my wife was like this is all new to her um mm -hmm. and bless her heart because she was there for like this entire time and very supportive I feel like I didn't get kind of bad until like the last four weeks that's when I kind of just became a shell of myself and I just literally ate my meals went to work went to the gym and just went to bed pretty much mm -hmm. at that point um but no besides that I feel like I did a pretty good job balancing and I kind of warned her and prepared her like hey like that during the end of this time it's going to get really hard like I'm not really going to want to talk as much you know um kind of just let her know like what to expect ahead of time and so I feel like I was able to balance it out as well as I could um I obviously I didn't and then like balancing work too, you know, like a full-time job and whatnot. So mm -hmm. I feel like I did a good job overall with it. Yeah, which is good. I mean, I think a lot of people can struggle balancing everything. And that's not to say that something isn't going to give. I mean, you're going to have to sacrifice some things. But mm -hmm. I was never like a fan of people who compete and they're just like totally different, very angry and not nice to be around. And it's like, hey, like no one's holding a gun to your head, making you do this sport, you know? And if you're this mean and you're not nice, like, I, I just don't see the point in doing it. And that's not to say we don't have our off days. I think everybody has a bad day, but mm -hmm. I've, I've definitely seen people who they're like, oh, I'm just in a mood, like I'm in prep. And it's like, you've been this way for 12 weeks, like enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll be 16 weeks out, I'm in prep and they're being mean. It's like, you're not even, you're not even at the hard part yet. Like, this, yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. It's like, maybe... Maybe you can get a pass when you're like four weeks out or less or something like that, but not right now. <laughs> yeah. I, my philosophy in prep is if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. So I do exactly. get really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So with becoming a pro, what does that mean to you? Cause I know a lot of people, um, look at it differently. So I wanted to kind of hear your definition of what does being an IFBB pro look like for you? Yeah, so really, like, I know some people really like to try to monetize it. Um, people that are in, like, the fitness space as a career, whether it be that they're a coach or they're a personal trainer, and now they can maybe attract higher-end, higher-paying clients because now they can say that they're a pro. For me, since I already have, like, a career outside of this um, that I enjoy, for me, really, it was just a goal of mine that I had, and really is just to be kind of an inspiration to others and just enjoy just this fitness kind of lifestyle. I feel like I've made lots of friends through this fitness community and just to really, I guess, shed a light on health and fitness and that people can be can compete and do it in a healthy way or just like help people lose weight. Cause I mean, even 
because of this, like a lot of my family have been like, Hey, like, I want to, I want to have help, like losing weight. Can you help me out? Or just friends, whatever it may be. Even some of my friends, parents, things like that, they've all reached out to me. So it's really for me more so like being able to give just because like, like I said, the monetization side, I don't really care about that too, too much really, but Mm -hmm. just being able to be an inspiration to others and then being able to just do something I love. And so I'm really excited to be able to have my pro debut. The plan is really like kind of summer 2024 because I feel like I can, I'll be the first pro on stage with a disability like this and that I can really just be a light to others and be like, if you can do it, I can do it, you know, Um, and just kind Mm -hmm. of be an inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of means a lot to the fact that you did this without any sort of incentive over your head. Cause I mean, I, I'm a coach. I'm very honest with that on my podcast, but you know, having a pro card, it it is kind of a flex in a way, you know, they're not given out all the time. Um, but having like a professional career, it's like, this isn't gonna, like your boss isn't going to be like, you get a raise, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that was a hundred percent for you, but you know, that like at the end of the end of the day bodybuilding has to be just a you versus you thing exactly and that's what that's what I like love about it. it's actually funny you said that about my boss because my boss was like oh you're a pro now are you gonna are you gonna stop working for us you know like oh, no. he, I guess he doesn't <laughs> understand that like really just being a pro you're not making money just because of you that you're a pro or anything mm-hmm. you know um so that was kind of funny but yeah it's always just really been just me versus me and just bettering myself with it and then just being able to just give back to others um with this and just the whole camaraderie of it all like I've met so many cool people and like even like without this I'd never be talking to you right now like I've been able to have so many different cool engagements um and just cool conversations with people and now it has been kind of cool that I am a pro now because like if I'm at the gym uh, people come up to me and they're like oh we saw you on Instagram or like congrats you're a pro like it's cool and all that stuff like that you know so it's kind of it's kind of a cool flex like you said but um at the end of the day, it's like, I always, I'm always extremely humble about it. And I always try to encourage other people and they'll ask me tips and things like that. And I'm like, never shy away from just sharing information and just trying to help people as much as possible. Yeah. That's really refreshing to hear too. Cause I've actually heard, you know, from like the female side, not saying that all pros are like this, but I've heard some people can definitely get an ego about them um where they expect things to even be free you know they're like oh photography should be free or this should be free my gym membership should be free and it's like okay like bodybuilding again is such a niche sport the world doesn't really know too much you know Mm -hmm. um even instagram it's like that's just a little niche on instagram so being a pro is such a a great thing but you know Mm -hmm. the ego thing not a huge fan of which it sounds like you're super humble which i love that thank you i really appreciate it yeah because it's like it's not like i'm uh it's not like when you turn pro and ivb that you're like an nfl quarterback or nba player that like people don't know you like you go to walmart no one knows who you are no one cares they don't like care about bodybuilding the way that like we do within our like fitness niche you know so i i don't i really can't stand when people try to get this like ego or a big head about it just because they're a pro now um just because like everyone's doing the same thing. Like every, we're all eating meals, you know, we're all training. Just some people just have more time in the game where their genetics may be slightly better. And then the other one is someone they might've worked a little bit harder, but it doesn't make you any different from any of the other competitors at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. So you've talked about your training a little bit and how you've had to get creative. I have a couple questions for you. Um, obviously cardio is a big piece with getting into conditioning for a show how do you manage cardio with your condition? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a good question. I get asked that a lot and for a good reason, just because um, walking long distance for me, my lower back gets tight just because I'm just have so much of a imbalance in my gait when I walk as I'm going eight inch difference, you know, back and forth. And so I would do cardio by just walking on the treadmill at first in my prep doing a light walk but like once my cardio got up to like an hour a day at 30 minutes i do like 15 minutes on a treadmill just walking i do 15 minutes on the elliptical um or on the bike the spin bike but once i got up to an hour a day and then like i was extremely fatigued i did a lot of it on the bike and the elliptical it's because the treadmill from the way that i walk on my left foot like um if you would see on like my instagram there's like i'm sure there's like yeah there's videos of me on stage things like that I walk on the way my foot is being born with this condition, my foot's kind of angled down. So I walk on like almost like my tiptoe on my left side. 
And so mm-hmm. I have extremely like terrible calluses, like on the bottom of my left foot at the top. And so I, all that walking, because I prepped 20 weeks in total, because it was 16 weeks for the first show, another four weeks to nationals, my foot like hurt, you know? And so I get on the elliptical for like 15, 20 minutes and I would sit down on the bike and I would just pedal with my right leg. So my left leg kind of sits up on the bike and doesn't do anything. And so I did all the pedaling in my right leg. So then after all that pedaling on my right leg, my right quad is just like pumped, you know? And then, yeah. if, I train, and then if I train legs, I'm doing all the pedaling on that one side. Like it would take like pretty much the entire week to recover from a leg day. So that was just like at the end of it. And then you're not recovering covering is fast at the end too because your food's so low you're just sore all the time you're doing cardio every single day that did get extremely like challenging but it was just one of those things mentally that I just had to push through um and then luckily at the end once I was already in shape we could let back on the cardio a little bit and we really just for myself because of that I really go the approach of lessening my food as opposed to adding more cardio like I got up to an hour for the first show but then going into nationals the most I did was 50 minutes and the next week we dropped it down, like every single week it got dropped down some. Um, and I just like lessened my food as opposed to doing two hours of cardio like some people do. Yeah. I mean, in prep, it's kind of like a pick your poison, right? Do I want to eat more and move more or do I want to eat less and move less? And mm. so I usually am the, you know, I'm, I'm fine moving more and eating more, but you know, there's times in my life where I don't have the time to do an hour and a half or two hours. So maybe it's going to be the opposite. And I know a lot of professionals too, where they've got these like 12 hour shifts, or they've got just like a really weird work schedule. And it's like, I can't, you know, I can't go to the gym three, four hours a day, you know? Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of pick your poison there. And I feel like I'll never complain about a cardio session ever again, because that sounds super painful with the quad pump. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that got pretty daunting at the end, especially just doing that all that time every single day. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we got through it, though. Yeah. And so for training, you talked about some like back modifications that you make. Do you find yourself still using a variety of equipment in the gym, like machines, dumbbells, cables, or do you gravitate towards certain things? Yeah, I try to have a mix between doing some free weight, but I do do a lot of machines as well. But even like with back training, I still do like T-bar rows, bent over rows, but I have to do it on the Smith machine for like my bent over rows. And then like mm-hmm. any leg training that I do, I do pretty much all machines. So like a hack squat as opposed to free weight squatting is because I can't really load up the weight because it comes after I put two plates on, like after I get up to 225 on a squat, it becomes extremely hard to do that on one leg to balance. You know? Yeah. So, um, I just do that on a Smith machine. Like the most I've gotten to my squat on a Smith machine was like four plates for five reps, I think, something like that. So like, um, like 405 for five. But now I don't even do that anymore. I just do like um, hack squat or like the um, like a V squat, different things like that. Um, And like leg press as opposed to doing more free weight when it comes to legs. But back, I'll still do free weight, but I'll just usually get at my gym here. I'll get like a 35 pound dumbbell and just like flip it up flat. And I put my foot on that um to be able to balance do t-bar rows or when i do bent over rows or any just dumbbell rows things like that so i'm balanced when i'm training even one time like which can kind of get dangerous because i was doing t-bar rows with three plates and i had a little platform as opposed to a dumbbell that i put my foot up on and it, the, it like broke and like i fell and i dropped the three plates on my foot and like broke my toe on my on my like right leg that's longer because i left like like the, the thing i had my foot on like broke so I just lost my balance and so that made training a little bit more dangerous but yeah um, I just have to be extremely cautious about that now I usually get a dumbbell that's like one of the flat ones or if I if if I'm traveling and I'm not at a gym that I could be able to do that then I just don't do those lifts so it can limit me somewhat um but I mean there's so much really good equipment nowadays that you can kind of get around it but mm-hmm. another thing with that, I can't deadlift. And so really building that lower back and your spinal erectors, I get on the, um, what's the name of the machine? Where I'm doing back extensions, where you put you kind of put your feet down in it. Um, like the glute ham raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. So I'll do that. And so I can just um, do lots of reps and I'll grab like a 35 pound, 45 pound plate and just crank out a lot of reps with that to train my lower back since I can't really do a deadlift or like a really good rack pull. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about the injuries because I was just thinking like there's a lot of balance and core work probably involved with, you know, balancing in a way. So I can't believe that you broke some toes. That would suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that really sucked. And then even like balancing, you think too, when you're bench pressing, you know, because you have your legs under, you only have one leg under me. And so mm-hmm. it makes things like that a little bit more difficult. But like, because I've been this way my entire life, I've just, that's all I've known. And so I just really put a lot of the support on my right leg. My left leg, I can have it down there, but it's not enough to really push off just because the distance is so different. Um, so I can't really push off of that leg when I'm doing dumbbell bench or like a bench press or things like that. So it can make it a little bit more difficult um, mm-hmm. with those lifts. So I could probably be stronger, but I mean, I'm do like 140 pound dumbbells on incline or like I'm benching like 315 for like 12 reps. So like, I don't really need to necessarily do more weight on those on those lifts anyway so i i feel like i'm still like getting away with it pretty well yeah i mean it's kind of interesting because like your body has like you have that body awareness right because you're like i was born this way like i'm just this is what i'm used to um but on the outside looking in it's like i i couldn't imagine like all the modifications i'd have to make but even when i brought on um marissa when she's talking about her arm she's like you know that's just that's just what i'm used to you know i was born this way so just look looking for the solutions and this is something i tell my clients is like don't look at the problems like try to have a solutions-based mindset so it looks like any single exercise that you saw obviously there's tutorials with 12 feet down on the ground bench press right so you're like okay how can i take this and make it fit me and you're still able to lift like super heavy for sure yeah and then sometimes i'll have to i'll ask someone on the, at the gym with me like if i'm doing a uh super heavy like like dumbbell bench i'm seeing a dumbbell like incline bench or shoulder press, dumbbell shoulder press, where I'm going over like using 120s. Because like when you're sitting there, you kind of kick it up to yourself with your knee, but I don't have that on my left side. And so I'll have to have someone like literally place the dumbbell in my hand. But sometimes it's kind of hard to get people to lift a 120 pound dumbbell up to like where I'm sitting at. So if I don't have someone that can help me in the gym, then I'll do like a Smith machine or just a machine shoulder press. So sometimes it can be annoying because I can't do everything when I'm by myself completely, or I'll just have to modify what I want to do. So if I'm going into the gym that day and I don't have a friend or someone that I could just be able to help me out for a few sets to hand me a dumbbell or something like that, then it's like, okay, I can't do that lift today, you know? And so, which can like be really annoying if your training style is more so of a progressive overload and you want to hit those same exact lifts. And that's the way that I really like to try to do my training is more like progressive overload, but you can obviously do lighter weight and do more reps or um, sometimes I just have to switch it. And that just is what it is, you know, for that day. Yeah. I mean, there's other ways to progress. You got tempo, you got your form. I even feel like for myself, I've been lifting for years and it's like, there's still areas that I can improve, like just recording myself. I'm like, okay, you can go heavier. Your form Mm -hmm. was kind of off on that. So just little things like that can make a big difference, but yeah, I would imagine it would be frustrating. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's hundred percent. There's always things that we can always modify, whether it be like tempo or just this is a small tweak, you know, in form for sure. With your nutrition, um, I know that you mentioned you have a coach. Do you guys normally take that meal plan approach or like that macro based approach? Cause I feel like there's either one or the other. Uh, we do macros. So David will just be like, Hey, we're doing this for the week. You're at 250 grams of carbs, 50 grams of fat for like low days, and then like just changing it, whether it may be increasing my fats or carbs, whatever it may be, but my protein pretty much stays the same. So it really gives me that flexibility, which I enjoy. And then I have right now, I have um, two free meals a week where I can just eat whatever I want in prep. I mean, obviously I didn't have the free meals, but he still let me just do my um, what select what foods I wanted. And then when I'm in prep, I don't like to really think about things. So I literally just eat the same thing. So I had like my egg whites, oats, and then it was just fish and asparagus. And I would have like rice with it for like my other carbs. But at the very end, I was only have 50 grams of carbs a day. So I wasn't really, I just had carbs in my first meal and the rest of the day was no carbs. Um, But now in the off season, since I like to have more variety in the off season is a longer phase. I'll do like chicken or turkey or fish sometimes, sometimes steak, you know, um, and I just like to have the freedom of mixing things up. I'm definitely one of those people who like hate to have like a straight up meal plan every single day when I'm in the off season, that just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. And like my coach and I, 
we've been able to like talk about that. And so he's just like, yeah, I'll just do macros, follow that. And that'll be that, you know? So mm -hmm. that's just kind of the approach I really like to have. Yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, I like the flexibility. I think a lot of people thrive with flexibility, but I also know a lot mm -hmm. of people who they really like their structure. But the thing with macros is you can technically create your own meal plan out of them just based off mm -hmm. of your food preferences. And then I recommend people to kind of rotate some foods out. Like even in prep, like it got to a point where it's like green beans and white fish. And then it's like, okay, maybe instead of the white fish, I can have shrimp for a little bit of variety. Mm -hmm. Like even just being able to have that choice can make a big difference mentally. And I think psychology plays a huge role when we're dieting because it's also mm -hmm. about like, what can we adhere to? And also, you know, when you're not getting ready for a show, what are you going to enjoy in your everyday life? And how is that going to affect the social aspect? Because I still feel like it's very important to have a social life when you're not getting ready for that competition. Yeah, 100%. And even going back, I guess, to the competition phase, I like to diet harder so then I can have, I'd have a diet hard for like three days. It's more so like carb cycling than I have like two high days in a row. So I'd really just look for those high days. Um, and I was just getting enjoyment, just being able to eat a little bit more, you know, after just pushing yeah. for a few days. But now in the off season, um, I only have high days on like leg and back days. So, but it's still not as like as rewarding as when I was in prep because I now I have those two free meals. And so like, one of the free meals or even both of them sometimes will just be like when I go and my wife and I will go out on a date or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll have another free meal and I'll just try to adjust my macros throughout the rest of the day. Like if I know like me and some of my friends are going to go do this, you know, then I'll make sure I'm like eating less carbs earlier in the day so that I can go and have that meal with my friends, especially living in Orlando. There's so many different theme parks there's and stuff so like that. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things to like go out and do. And now I feel like I was restricted for after 20 weeks. Like now my friends are like, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. And having that social aspect has really been great for me is because like I felt like 20 weeks is a long time to not really be able to do things with people. And I've only been down here for like a year now. And so the friends I've met, half the time I couldn't even really do anything with them because I was in prep. So yeah, that's a, the mental aspect of that, especially in the off season, being able to master like what you're comfortable with and finding your balance is extremely important for the longevity of this. Cause some people will get burnt out and like, Oh, I can't do this. Or they'll just go and just cheat, cheat, cheat on their diet and just go off the deep end, you know, because they can't find that balance. Yeah. I mean, this is where I feel like a lot of people can even struggle with their relationship with food because it is hard going from super rigid, like having to say no, and then being able to have more flexibility. It's kind of like some people, they're like running out of that gate and they're like, I need to eat here and eat here and eat here. And I've even seen people make lists of like restaurants and desserts that they want to have. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we need to work on that because if you want to be in the sport and you want to have longevity, we have to learn how to balance that rigidness of prep, but also learn how to welcome a little bit more balance and understand like where's going to be a good composition for you to where you still feel good because no one wants to feel like crap either right to where you can still feel good make improvements but then you have this like balance in your life oh my gosh yeah just being transparent about my, my own self i was like that person like right after my last after the last show because it was my first show in five years and so like just that mentality of just that on switch and now it's like okay that switch can be turned off i literally like I gained after, so even after my show leading into nationals, I gained 17 pounds in a day and a half. And then I had to get that off because I was doing nationals term that I ended up turning pro at in four mm -hmm. weeks. And so my really only, really only had like three weeks to improve because the first week I was essentially getting that 17 pounds back off that I put on from that literally like two days of just eating what I wanted to, wanted to. And so I literally had to just crank things up all the way at the end of that. And even after like nationals again, like I feel like I got into a, a bad spot, like mentally with food um, mm -hmm. because I was like, okay, now I'm back on, like the, the switch is back on and then I did nationals. And then now I know I'm going to have this long off season. I gained 35 pounds, like within like three weeks. So like I had water retention around my ankles, you know, all that stuff that typically happens. My um, heart rate like was increased. My oh, heart was getting like higher. Yeah, it was elevated. And so I was like, I got to get myself back together. And like, even I was talking to my coach and he was like, yeah, no, this is like, you went off the deep end, you know, reel yourself back in. And now I'm fine. I've been back to my cardio regimen, eating on my diet and whatnot. Um, for me, it was 
I don't know. I, I did get kind of a bad relationship for about a, like two weeks after my show. And then I had to reel it back in. Though. So I don't yeah. ever encourage that because I want people to be able to rebound properly too. Cause that's a time that window you have after a show where you can really make a lot of improvements. And I take, I want people to take advantage of that. I did. Well, I did. I, I did kind of stay on. I was going to go for about a week and a half and then I kind of fell off the deep end and now I got back on. But yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's kind of a, you, you live and you learn, like even though like you've competed before, it had been a while. So you weren't able to practice like that mentality shift. Um, you know, I've also been guilty of like eating crazy after a show. And obviously I'm a female, I'm smaller than you, but like I gained like eight pounds in a day. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of weight. And I even oh, remember yeah. my heart rate being like 120, mm-hmm. which for me is like being on an elliptical. So it's like yeah. sweating and I did yeah. not feel good. I remember eating like a ton of donuts and I was like, why did you do that? You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was younger then. And plus I think figuring out again, what your balance is going to look like, what your exit strategy is going to be after your show is going to be unique person to person. And um, that's something that I encourage competitors to talk about with their coaches, like, what is going to be the game plan after this? Like, how are we going to have a good exit strategy? How can I, you know, monitor myself and prevent binges? Because I've seen people with who compete too, and they don't full on have binge eating disorder, but because their hormones are so out of whack, because they have no leptin, they have no satiety, that's what causing these like overeating bouts so it is kind of a mind f and you know i do encourage competitors to also educate yourself on the hormones that are going on like why do i feel this way why am i always hungry why am i never satisfied Mm -hmm. after a meal but um because i feel like knowledge is power but Mm -hmm. a good reminder is if you can endure 20 25 however long many weeks of prep you can handle that first four weeks of like, I'm super hungry post-show because it will, it will fade with time. For sure. Yeah. And even like, I like that you talked about like that exit strategy and even for the mental health aspect, because I know a lot of competitors, a lot of my friends will get that post-show depression or post-show blues, whatever you want to call it. Um, And even for myself, like I didn't really get depressed or anything like that, but you do like, because you have that goal that's right there that you're chasing, that you're gunning towards that entire time. And you have that support people are like oh i can't wait to see you compete and you compete and like for me this is i feel like it kind of like lasts a little bit longer because i was able to turn pro and so you have that high like that this high from competing is like especially when you finally get that pro card after years of training like that was like a long like high from that but then now it's like subsided and now like no one's really like as concerned you know as much anymore nowadays Mm -hmm. as they were like in the past month without like a month after my past show. Um, and so some people can get like that out of whack because they feel like people were there for you like that all the time. And now that's good. Yeah. And then now that's gone, you know? So, but mm-hmm. I didn't really, I never really got that way. It was kind of like, Oh, like now it's just kind of gone. Like, it's like, people don't really care as much anymore, you know? And then you have a long off season ahead. It's like, I got a year and a half before I compete again. But for me, like the self-improvement of it all, like I said, like earlier, that's the most important part of it all. And if people kind of take that aspect that it's just me versus me at the end of the day, that like when that kind of praise or whatever it may be subsides or everybody tells you, oh, you look so good on stage, whatever it may be, then you're still fine at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. You can't do it for the outside validation. Of course, it's nice whenever someone comments hard work, but you know, I, I do find even as a female in the space, like the comments do fade when you're not as lean and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to be in that phase of getting lean right now, just because the comments stop, because the sport is for you. You should want to do it in the healthiest way possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to also really take that time in your improvement season to improve or else you're not going to be able to keep on competing because you're going to burn out. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I feel like the, the fitness industry, it puts so much pressure on people being lean all the time because that's when people, that's when you are getting the likes and things like that. And all these different influencers that try to stay lean year round for them, it could work for them because like they're not competing. But if you really want to make those improvements, you're going to have to gain a little bit of body fat and just that for your hormone regulation, you know, and everything like it's not healthy to be extremely lean all year round. Yeah. 
So Kirk, I really appreciate your time today, but I do want to end the podcast with like, what are some words of wisdom you would have for someone who is maybe second guessing themselves with wanting to compete? They feel like they're not good enough. They feel like they can't overcome some challenges in front of them. What would be your advice to them? Yeah, I would have to say really just always bet on yourself. You know, I had tons of doubts going into nationals. I didn't know if I would be good enough. Um, Obviously, I felt like I could potentially bring a physique. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't have competed if I didn't think I had a chance at least, but like bet on yourself and work hard, you know, and never let anyone's opinion of you discourage you from being able to pursue your dreams, you know, and don't let anything really like get in your way to stop you with that. Like I've had lots of different people, like even throughout sports in my life saying like, Oh, you have this disability. You're not going to be able to do this. But I just, like I said, I bet on myself and I just kept believing really in myself that I could do it and that I could accomplish anything I wanted to. And I really feel like if people kind of adopt that mindset of that, I can take on anything. I believe in myself, like I can do anything I want to do. Then like people will get a lot more accomplished within their lives. Um, and so really, I guess the, the, I guess the main point with that is just to really believe in yourself and give your best efforts, put your best foot forward with it. And you never know what will end up happening. Yeah, I really like that advice. I think a lot of people second guess themselves instead of just mm-hmm. thinking, instead of what if I lose, like, well, what if you win? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone listening today, I'm going to include Kirk's information down below if you want to give him a follow on Instagram. And thank you again. Thank you so much, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.